0: slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get some little more sleep. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that in a premeditated manner, in a place of your choosing, rather than in our pews on a Sunday morning. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast.
1: Now, you're going to miss out on some pretty fun things, like seeing your friends, and inspiring music, and some cute children at children's time, and definitely the cookies after church but we'll give you what we can.
0: Yeah, and the sermon topic that feeds all of your brunch conversation afterwards. Hello! Yeah, I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We're your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week.
1: We started this podcast so that if you're away from home or working or perhaps you are on fall break, or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church.
0: Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, uh, whether you are snuggled up in your favorite fuzzy onesie or out for a run, or maybe just running errands, we just ask that you would receive this with an open mind and an open heart. And a quick
1: note, we are serious about the open mind and an open heart, and we don't expect that you're going to agree with everything we say. In fact, we want you to question, to disagree, and to figure out what you think. But our sincere hope is that you will experience a mysterious, loving force in the world that we know is God, moving in your life as you consider this.
0: So I started my sermon on October 8th with a confession, which is that I am cynical and sick to the gills every time something horrific happens in this country that was preventable and some inane ninny gets on TV and says, our thoughts and prayers are with the victims and survivors because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we say it all the time and then we do nothing and then we do nothing. We do nothing. We do nothing. And so until the next time when we offer our, Thoughts and prayers. And we do it again. On October 8th, it was the Sunday following the mass shooting in Las Vegas, the deadliest mass shooting in our country's history. history. And only less than 18 months after the last deadliest mass shooting
1: mm-hmm. in
0: history, um, many of our people were affected. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nevada's kind of a small state, actually. Geographically, not small, but certainly population-wise. Population-wise and election wise People who had friends, family at the concert mm-hmm. where the shooting happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of people who, you know, were neighbors to the shooter. We had people who yep. went to that concert series every year and just didn't go this year for some reason. Yep. We had a lot of people with connections. One of my friends is an EMT who was one of the first people on the scene and dealing with bodies and yep. dealing with people who were freaked out. And trying not to be shot themselves, uh, mm-hmm. so it was just kind of a scary week for us here. And mm-hmm. and there, there's a lot of affinity between, as much as there's a north south. There might be a north south divide, but but when something like, like that happens, it, we're, we're, we're one state. We're and one so state, yeah. Everybody felt a little bit. And and the icky. fact that
1: it feels like you know it could happen here.
0: Mm. And so I said. Uh, that I was absolutely sick of hearing thoughts and prayers, and everybody in the congregation was, like, nodding along. Like, mm-hmm. yes, we are with you. Mm-hmm. And I told them about one of my favorite comedy accounts on Twitter, which is called The Tweet of God. Mm-hmm. And it's a parody, obviously. Obviously. Not, obviously, not you don't
1: think God doesn't have a Twitter account? God doesn't oh, have my thumbs. Gosh.
0: Pretty sure. Okay. But The Tweet of God said... Dear Americans, effective immediately, I will no longer be accepting your thoughts and prayers. You will have to pry your hands apart and actually do something. Love God. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty good. It's pretty good. Effective immediately. Uh, and everybody thought that was pretty good, too. Because we all want to do something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But there's so very little we can do as long as, you know, there, it seems like there's all these forces working against us to pass uh, reasonable measures to protect people from totally preventable, horrible, deadly causes. So, so I said, I'm sick of thoughts and prayers because most of the time I feel empty. Those words just feel empty. Mm -hmm. And I said, what if they weren't empty? It was our music staff appreciation Sunday. And so we talked about music a little bit and we said, you know, music expresses for us a lot of the emotions that we just don't have words for, particularly in times like this, when we are just at Mm -hmm. a loss, Yeah, music is what helps us do that. And the Psalms in scripture were prayers to God that were mostly sung. And these prayers were ways that people could express not just what they were expected to express towards God, which might be gratitude and praise, but also every other emotion they were feeling. So there's a lot of joy, but there's also a lot of hatred Mm -hmm. and judgment and fear and frustration. There's peace and there's beauty, but there's also these moments where you're going, oh gosh, man, I feel very uncomfortable that somebody prayed that to God, that they wanted vengeance on their enemies. They wanted uh God to wipe out other people like that makes us really uncomfortable, but it's an honest emotion. Yeah. And so the Psalms were honest emotions that people were sharing with God and we're sharing with each other because when we hear another person express an emotion, it makes it a little bit easy for us, a little bit easier for us to also feel and process Uh, those emotions in us. Yes. That's why we listen to music. And so we talked about a Psalm that's uh, Psalm 80. Mm -hmm. And uh, about the second half of it is verses seven to 15. And this Psalm is a person praying for God's restoration. Mm. They want God to restore their nation. And what's been happening at the time is that, you know, this author is writing from the Northern kingdom Yep. The kingdom has split. The kingdom of Israel has split into Israel and Judah. Uh, Israel is the northern kingdom; it's the bigger kingdom by far, and it uh, keeps getting taken over by a bunch of different empires. Uh-huh. And this time, it's the Assyrian Empire that is conquering the northern kingdom. Yeah, and so this person, this psalmist, is saying, "Restore us, God. Make your face shine on us." You know, you transplanted us from Egypt. You, you took us out of Egypt. You helped us grow. You nurtured us. You took care of us. You cleared the ground for us. But now you're not protecting us. Mm-hmm. You've broken down the walls of the garden and all of these creatures, these wild creatures have come in and they're feeding on us. So return, look down from heaven and see, watch over this vine, watch over our land and protect us. What's interesting is the last part of it says, if you... Hmm. It basically says, if you do these things, then we will praise your name. (laughs) (laughs) Only if you do this. If you do all the things we want you to do, then we will praise Praise your your name. name. (laughs) And so this psalm um, was not answered, right? Right. The northern kingdom was conquered by Assyria. They did not get restored. Mm -hmm. And it's a little pathetic that we kept this Psalm that's saying, God, God, we want you to do this. But it's a really, it's an honest feeling because it's about the tragedy Mm -hmm. of misdirected hope. Mm. The tragedy of misdirected hope when you really wanted something to happen and it didn't happen. It can feel, you know, frustrating and angering and you feel vulnerable.
1: Well, and it, and it, and it definitely has a feel of tragedy. Like I, I love that description because You know, we we feel all these things, but then there's that extra layer
0: of... Like betrayal.
1: Yeah. Or why can't it go my
0: way? Yeah. Right? It's not fair. It's not fair. Yeah. And so this this tragedy of misdirected hope, uh, we would call it now projection. Mm. We have projected on God what we expect God to do, and it's not happening. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, Freud talks about it in these terms. Freud talks about it as, you know, we grow up and we think our fathers are uh, unconquerable. They're strong and they protect us and their job is to protect us and nothing will ever harm us as long as our dads are there. Mm -hmm. And then at some point as we're growing up, we realize our dads are also fragile and vulnerable people Mm -hmm. and that they don't have all the power in the world to protect us, even if they want to. Right. They can't do that for us. And so we end up looking for somebody else to project our fears and our anxieties on and hey, God is great because God is this huge blank canvas and we can project whatever we want up there and pretend like God is going to protect us from everything. And that's what this person's doing. Mm, mm -hmm. God is going to protect us. There's um, a book that C.S. Lewis wrote anonymously at first, and it's about the death of his wife. Mm, Yes, And C.S. Lewis, when he was a young child, his mother died. And he basically like swore off God. He was mm-hmm. he was mad at God because God wouldn't take his mom away. And so he swore off God. And it wasn't until he was much older and met J.R.R. Tolkien and they became buddies that he became a Christian again. Mm-hmm. And when he became a Christian again, all of a sudden he had this great protector and everything was going well. And he was getting notoriety for being this apologist for Christianity. And he met this woman and he fell in love with her and they got married. And then she died. Mm-hmm. And he was in this place of it happened again. Mm -hmm. This person, again, this woman who I loved is gone. And what do you do with that? And um, the Shadowlands is the movie that sort of traces his life and talks about this period of his life. And what they sort of conclude at some point, or what I would conclude from his story, is that the second time it happened to him, he realized he had fewer answers. Mm. and deeper faith yeah that faith the opposite of faith is not fear the opposite of faith is certainty Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: thinking that we know everything and that we can determine what God will do right and so faith is really about trusting God even when things are not going our way and so C.S. Lewis describes that what do we do when our projections fail
1: yeah
0: what do we do when our hopes are misdirected and God is working in a different way and the psalmist Rather than listening to the prophets that had been telling the northern kingdom for a hundred years, you need to knock off what you're doing because what you're doing is you're building up a ton of wealth uh, that is looking attractive to outside empires and you're ignoring the poor and God wants you to take care of the poor and stop worrying so much about the wealth but they built up all this wealth and all of a sudden they came to the attention of these empires that kept taking them over. They're like, "Hey, so rather than listen goodies. to these rather than listen to these prophets that were saying, "Hey, mm-hmm. you're doing this wrong." and then changing their behavior, instead they just projected, "Well, God will protect us. God will protect us. God will protect us, and we can do whatever we want." Right. So that's kind of tragic for him. This prayer still gets included, I think, because one this is still a really honest emotion that we want yeah. God to pr- protect us, but two, because I think it draws our attention to the fact that prayer doesn't always change the outcome of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Prayer. And that's one of the
1: hardest things to realize about prayer.
0: I know like, they keep doing studies like medical studies, double blind studies about, well, if you're praying for somebody in the hospital and they don't know, does it still make them heal faster? And right, right, right. they have done these studies and they also show that if a pastor shows up when somebody's in the hospital, it takes them longer to heal because they feel all this pressure like, oh my gosh, if I don't heal, it's like a judgment on God or something. <laughs>
1: And so, and you know, of course, you and I do not carry any of that with
0: us. We, we like, try not what? to. Yeah. We, but I also don't go in and say, "God heal this person." Right. I usually go in and say, "Hey, it sucks to be in the hospital. Yeah. Let's pray for some patience and some perseverance, right. and you know, yeah. and all the things that you need because you got the medical help you need. Now you right. just need some some spiritual psychological help, and yeah. we can do yeah. that." Yeah. But um, so the, the prayer doesn't change the outcome. Praying mm-hmm. for victims of gun violence does not prevent gun violence. No. Nope praying doesn't change the outcome. Prayer changes us.
1: Right. And so when we're thinking about this, right, so we're thinking putting our hands together should form us to take our hands apart and do something, right? Is that, is that where we're going?
0: Well, sort of. Okay. Sort of. So so there's an image of, have you ever seen, have you ever been to a really old cathedral? I know yeah. you have, because we've been to them together. We've been to them together. Um, and there's these dips in the steps. Mm-hmm.
1: I have a really strong memory of a, of a small church in England when I was a kid that we, we were in a small town and they were the bell ringers were ringing and we hiked up the the circular stairs to the belfry. And, and it's the only time I've ever feel, felt um, like vertigo, like fear, because the steps were so worn. And I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, and they were narrow. They'd already, they'd been standing forever, so... They held us, too.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, these, there's these dips in these old stone steps, and it's because so many feet have passed exactly. along them to get inside to the dark and the quiet where people can pray and kneel at the altar and gaze upon God. Mm-hmm. And you see it even in old churches in our country where the, the hand railings have been smoothed down mm-hmm. by hundreds of years of hands passing along and leaning against these railings. Steve Garness Holmes describes that kind of a threshold in each of our hearts mm-hmm. that has dips in the steps and worn hand railings because God goes in over and, and over, over and over, and over. over again to pray and gaze at our communion table. And the idea that God is always present to us mm-hmm. and prayer is us tuning ourselves in to God. hmm which doesn't necessarily mean that God will do what we want God to do, but that God will be present with us through whatever happens. Yep. And so we talk about God tunes us into compassion. And I won't restate everything that I said in a former episode about what prayer does to your brain. Right. But essentially what prayer does is it helps you to focus your willpower and your intention around empathy and compassion. hmm And that's hugely important because that is how we release our expectations and are also present with other people. And I shared a a prayer from Thomas Merton. He says, my Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear. For you are ever with me and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. The prayer of Thomas Merton helps us to tune in to the presence of God even when we don't know what exactly is going to happen or where we're going to be going. Prayer helps us to be real, to be authentic about what we're feeling. And to not let those fears and anxieties that we sometimes feel dictate how we behave. It helps us to be changed and then put that into action. And that's where the hope comes from. Not from God will do exactly what I want God to do. And if I share thoughts and prayers, then nobody will ever die from gun violence again. Mm -hmm. But through actually putting all of that empathy and all of that compassion to work, to do what we're called to do. There's an episode of the West Wing. I've been almost done rewatching the West Wing. (laughs) And there's this part where uh, Arnold Vinnick who's played by Alan Alda is the Republican nominee for uh, president. And he goes to visit Martin Sheen, who plays Jed Bartlett, who's the president at the time, the lame duck president Mm -hmm. in the White House. And they have this whole conversation because Arnold Vinnick had stopped going to church when his wife died. Mm. And so it was becoming a political issue that he didn't go to church. And one of his opponents for the Republican primary was this preacher
1: mm.
0: uh, at a Southern Baptist church. And everybody wanted to know why Arnold Vinick didn't go to church and when was the last time he went to church. And then this preacher says, "I'd like to invite him to come and sit in my church any week." And so everybody's saying, "Well, why don't you go to church? Why don't you go to why don't you go to his church on Sunday?" Uh, and the whole thing is, you know, pivoting around the, the mm-hmm. issue of abortion. Well, Arnold Vinick says, you know, if you require a religious test from your politicians in order for them to serve you, uh, you will be lied to every time. You are begging Mm. to be lied to. That it's not about some litmus test that will tell you whether or not somebody is a person of faith, uh, because it's the easiest lie they'll ever tell you. Right. And if I went to that guy's church today, it would be political, and it wouldn't have anything to do with authentic faith. Right. And so he sort of manages to squirm out of it. And mm-hmm. so f- for me, to say the right words yeah, is we're begging to be lied to. If we, just, if we just say, okay, this person, all I have to do is say thoughts and prayers. And then, you know, obviously they didn't intend for anything bad to happen. And we never hold them accountable for not doing anything to prevent something bad from happening in the future. But if all we want is for God to protect us and to humor us and to placate us, rather than to be present with us as we deal with what real life is, then we and are to begging us
1: and to move us and to get me, all yeah. those things.
0: We're begging to be lied to. Yeah. And that's not who I think God wants us to be. So we talked about all this, like what happens when we don't listen to the prophets who tell mm-hmm. us what we need to do to change our ways. What happens when we project and how do we get disappointed in those ways? And then, Aaron Long, who's our organist at the church and is a brilliant uh, musician and and just a cool person in general. Shout out to Aaron. Shout out to Aaron Long, who is not going to listen to the podcast, but whatever. <laughs> um, he played modern day prophecy for sort of the special music, like during the operatory and during the different parts of the service.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He played music that is modern day prophecy. He played Imagine by John Lennon and he played What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. And so the question is, Are we listening to our prophets right? or are we begging for God to protect us even though we are ignoring the things that God tells us we need to be working on? And I ended with saying, you know, we have people in our church who love their guns, love them. They have the Second Amendment tattooed on their butts. (laughs) And we have other people in the church. And I'm laughing
1: because I, you know, realize this is probably closer to reality than most people realize. Yeah.
0: And, well... (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and we have other people who would love, they're those, you know, liberal tree huggers who want to throw all the guns in the ocean. We have both of those folks in our church and we have a lot of people who don't care in the middle. <laughs> I'm not asking for us to take a per- particular political stance. What I'm asking for us is to have an honest conversation about what we're feeling mm-hmm. and what kind of action we might need to take to prevent horrible things from happening One of the stats I heard on my way into church that morning on NPR was uh, from an ER doctor in North Carolina at Uh some institute or something, who I didn't write his name down, so it's not in my notes. But he said uh, that the number of people who die from gun violence is the same as the number of people who die from sepsis in the hospital. And the amount of money that we spend on research to determine the public health causes and effects of gun violence is 0.7% of the research that we spend on sepsis. So we it's not even that we don't fund fighting gun violence. It's that we don't even fund the research Right. because we're so terrified of lobbyists and everything else. And what if we were just able to actually learn about our own problem mm-hmm. and then do something about, yeah, about it. it? Maybe there is some prophecy that we need to seek out and our fear of the conversation will not do us any favors. Nope. So that's all I said. I obviously have an opinion about uncontrolled yes but uh it's not about my opinion it's about can we be honest with each other yeah and can we you know take a cue from the music that we listen to and actually do the work of figuring out how god wants us to pry our hands apart because effective immediately thoughts and prayers are no longer being accepted in heaven (laughs) so that was the sermon
1: good thank you chris
0: one of the cartoons that somebody stuck on my door this week was, I forget who did it, but it, I'll try and find it online and post it on the webpage. But it's a congressperson. It says U.S. Congress in the background these two yeah. men wearing suits. And one of them has a button on his suit jacket lapel that says thoughts and prayers. And the other one says, where'd you get that? And he goes, there's a whole bucket of them in the coat closet. <laughs> Which is some comment on you're going to need them over and over and over yeah, again yeah. because we're never we going to do store them anything there. about this. Yeah and so the, the thoughts and prayers comics right. and jokes and things keep coming. And uh, one of the one of the things that people laugh about now is whenever somebody says, "Oh, you know, my aunt's in the hospital or oh, you know, the, my friend in Santa Rosa is going through this thing." You know, people will say thoughts and prayers and then everybody starts laughing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, "Okay, well, instead of just cracking a joke, can we well, but see we that do that something? that I
1: you know, humor is one of those things that gets that breaks through our shelves
0: breaks, too. Breaks down the walls. Yeah. So we so.
1: hope So we hope. Thanks for listening to this Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate, perhaps you have some thoughts and prayers that you would like to uh, have us take up. I don't know. Uh, Drop us a line at uh, sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com or find us on any of the um, platforms for podcasts or our website, which is sundaymorningsleepin.com. The scripture for this podcast was Psalm 80, verses 7 to 15. And the music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jesser
0: It's traditional at the end of a worship service for the priest to deliver a blessing to the congregation, something that makes everybody just a little bit shinier in God's sight. Um, <laughs> but we don't have any magic words. If we did, we, we would give them to you. If I had words that would prevent gun violence, I'd give them to you. If I had words that made your heart stop breaking, I'd give them to you we don't have any magic words. Instead, we have these practices that we've had for centuries that help us tune in to God's presence, whatever our situation. And so, you have been blessed because God is with you. And the God who created all the good things in the world that you love the most thought the world needed one of you, too. So, whatever you think about gun control or violence, or anything else, whatever you have projected or not projected. (laughs) How will you choose to live into your own skin this week? How will you love? How will you listen? How will you serve? How will you seek justice? How will you think and how will you pray? Maybe you slept in, but now it's time to wake up and get moving.